RPG for You and Me presents Neon Heat, an actual play duet podcast using the Savage World system and our custom cyber fantasy setting. It's been a labor of love creating it for the past several years, and we hope you enjoy. Previously on Neon Heat, Athena evacuates Pavi from the site of the ambush to the spire where Roja starts tending her wounds. Athena lets Pavi's dad know what happened to her on her way home. Later that night at the apartment, Zidal comes over, and he tells her that, among other things, something is really wrong with Silas. Afterward, she goes to her meet with Laverna, and deploys her to gather intel on Harlan Troya under threat of Pantheon excommunication. extra Benny at the start of this session because I really liked your line at the end of last session. I thought the, it was pretty good. Make more than one way to make an invisible girl disappear. It was really cool. Can't can have an extra Benny. Do you not have any over there? I have three. I have my requisite three Bennies. Thank Clack. you. Excellent. We open to see the kitchen of Escar Glow, Clint Sedaris's restaurant. In the kitchen, we see Athena on the phone and Clint and Val moving back and forth in the background, preparing some food. And we hear a voice coming from the opposite end of the phone. Yeah, this is uh, Phil Nutter. Who's this? What do you want? Hey, Phil. This is Athena Sedaris. Oh, hey. What's going on? <laughs> well. What do you got for me? Well, I wanted to give you a call, let you know. I'm talking to Tuca tonight about what we you know, previously discussed, and mm. what is your schedule like this week? Oh, my schedule can be whatever I need it to be. I haven't actually talked to her yet, so I don't know if she's going to be cool with this. On the off chance she is, why don't you come on over tomorrow night? On the off chance? On the off chance, Phil. We didn't agree to off chances. Well, here's the thing. You might like this. Maybe Took is here, but what if... Maybe it was me with some old stories about the Force. Maybe some stories about Joel Shin you haven't ever heard. I know pictures are worth a thousand words, but maybe I'll just have a thousand words for you. Yeah, I um, you know, I'm 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 really flattered by the uh, you know, the the come on, you ain't you ain't exactly my type. Ah, oh, I gave it a shot. Can you blame a girl? I mean, if if you actually got some information for me, then maybe. But if that was just you know a bad attempt to you know try to try to get a piece of the I was oh, about don't to say you, the nut. Don't you say it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it. It was not intentional. I just, felt it. Oh, I, I did too. That's why I didn't finish the sentence. Get a piece of the nut. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to get their fill. Can I can I roll a persuasion? <laughs> what are you trying to persuade him of? I just want to persuade him to come and have a nice time. <laughs> well, basically, he was like, if you have information, then maybe, but... 
I just, I want to seal the deal or at least attempt to. Provided you do this other thing for him. Well, yeah, but you know, I can't, I can't make up Tuka's mind for her. Uh, She's her own woman. So I know, I know this isn't quite, quite what we talked about the other day, but I might be talking to, you know, Bolt soon about putting Tuka on the task force. So you'd be seeing a lot more of her either way. Does that sound good, Phil? So you're specifically trying to persuade him to still help you help your dad's restaurant, even if you can't do what you asked, what you told him you do. Well, what he requested I try to do, maybe. Okay, yeah. Because um, Athena does not think Tuka's going to be into it at all. Sure. But she needs that good press. Sure. Uh, go ahead and do a persuade at minus two. I'll give you back this Benny you graciously keep gave it over me. There. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think this is going to work. But maybe. <laughs> See, this is, this is important to Athena. Mm-hmm. Yes! Has a five treat you. Five is a success, and he says, uh, Well, you you go and talk to her. Oh, I will. Oh, you will. I'm I know I'm saying you will. Mm-hmm. So you go and you talk to her and you get me an answer and then maybe we talk more after that. Well, I think that sounds fair, Phil. Well, you know what would have been fair is you know, if you just do what you told me to do right away. That'd be that'd be about square. Well, I just haven't seen her yet. Guess you better go see her, huh? All right, see you later, Phil. Bye-bye. Athena hangs up the phone and fluffs out her regular-length hair in her ponytail. Oh, my. Her regular-length her hair? Regular no length longer trimmed? Hair. No longer trimmed. How'd she do it? How did she do it? H- how did she do it? It's one of her trappings for Entangle, so she can grow it real fast. Oh, uh, right, okay. That's right. I like that. It's fun. It's she, fun. It's, it's for funsies for yeah, her. it's just aesthetic. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Athena in Escar Glow with Val and Clint going about preparing food and things. Why is Athena at Escar Glow today? Well, Pavi's getting discharged today, so we're having a little welcome back party for her. And it's been, what, probably two or three days since. I would assume. I think we said it was going to be earlier in the afternoon, so mm-hmm. prior to when Escar Glow would actually be opening yeah. for dinner, for like a private little party function. Still party so uh you hear the tinkling of the bell from the front of the store and uh i guess you make your way out there of course and it's pavi and roja oh good just arriving here pavi has her arm in a sling Mm -hmm. it's got sort of a very light cast over it but it is held in place and pavi's dressed in normal street clothes a little t-shirt and jeans and stuff and roja's in her normal streetwear as well but they come in and there's a, a small chorus of welcomes from Clint and Val and Rui and Marv. What does Rui look like? She is Ori. Mm-hmm. So she's Ori and Marv is Nakir. Pavi is half and half. <laughs> Pavi looks a lot like her mom. Mm-hmm. So Rui has the, the blood orange with yellow tips. They're about the same height. Rui's a little heavier set. So for all of our Harry Potter fans out there, she's very Mrs. Weasley-ish. But she is much more animated. Uh, she's a very bubbly personality. And you grew up with her a lot. Yeah. So. But Pavi comes in and Rui's the first one to go up and give her a hug and a kiss on the cheek. Good. And uh, Pavi returns the hug and waves to everybody else and says, oh, Hello, everyone. Thank you. Has Athena been back to see Pavi in the days she's been there? Yeah, I think 
Athena has seen her every day. She possibly could in between. I mean, it's only been two or three days, right? Yeah. A nebulous amount of time since then. Yeah, the last time that we saw her was, uh, she was unconscious, but you went back and saw her, and much like Roja had projected, you know, she was awake, she was conscious, everything seemed normal, but her arm was quite badly damaged, so... Yeah, when we rolled for it, we got that it was uh, her strength die was knocked down a little bit, which didn't really do a lot because she's already yeah. a D4 strength, but I think that that's still going to ride and she's having trouble using them. So. Has she had any subsequent healing attempts over the following days? So th- this is a fun little meta conversation that I think is fine to leave in, but the setting as a whole, just because there are arcane backgrounds mm-hmm. um, and healing is one of those and rules is written you can cast greater healing for 13 power points which ignores the golden hour so you Mm -hmm. can continuously use it as often as you want to and being that it would only take three hours of rest to get 15 power points back somebody with the ability to heal could try to heal her once every three hours right so i think there's like there's no real reason that people wouldn't be able to just get healed up right away so maybe maybe she's just fully healed maybe we just need to ignore the cast and stuff like that maybe Roja's like, hey now, keep that on. Don't fuck that up. Wounds can be recovered from pretty quickly when you have access to what is effectively magic. Or yeah, magic medical care. Or inexplicably powerful science type stuff. I mean, it's not like we're in Deadlands where all the doctors have the fucking rusty scalpels and yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think our setting is a bit pulpier. You know, it is a, it's more action uh, adventure oriented and get hurt, and, get healed. Exactly. So we could even, as like a setting rule, say that uh, people make their natural healing rolls once every three days or once every day instead yeah. of once every week. Because rivers, it was every week, right? Yeah. Like by default, you make a natural healing roll once every week. There's also rules for like gritty damage. Like we could even have faster healing, but gritty damage. Gritty damage is whenever you take a wound, you roll on that injury table. Every time you take a wound, you roll on the injury table and it stays until you're fully healed. That could be interesting. Which sounds really bad, but if you heal it back really fast, it's not as bad. It would be more like in the moment, it cripples you more. I wouldn't mind trying that out for a little bit, honestly. That sounds interesting. Okay. See how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) Athena's going to lose all of her limbs instantly. But it's also going to apply to everybody else. So you might fight more wild cards and they go down easily, but somebody like a wild card... You might fight more extras, is what I meant. But if you fight a wild card, then every time you deal a wound to them, they have to roll an injury table. So so all that stemming from you know, Pavi's current condition. So yeah, I think uh, at this point she would be fully healed. Maybe Dr. Roja has stipulated, who knows. But Pavi, after greeting her parents, walks you know further in and comes up and gives you a hug. But Athena hugs are real tight. Mm, yeah, it's, it's not too thing. tight, but... Yeah, she's got one arm around you and pulling you in. She pulls her back and has a hand on her shoulder and says, you know, Pavi, I know this is a a celebration, so I've taken it upon myself to cook everything today. It's all, it's all for you. I love you so much. I think there's a a moment of panic in her eyes, but then uh, pretty quickly goes away and says, oh, there's no way you could ever pull that off. So I know you're lying. (laughs) And she gives you a little bit of a punch in the side with her good arm. I think she looks at Clint like, like, would would he ever let me cook? You let me chop, but never cook. And I understand this. I would, I, lo- I would love to teach you how to cook better, sweetie. Well, you've tried. Well, I'll, I'm happy to try again. Okay. I think there's a round of chuckles from everybody present. Mm. 
So Pavi smiles and looks a little bit brighter and looks around at everybody and says, So, what's on the menu? Oh, I can't speak to that myself. There's a spread of squumps and olive clints, delicacy, barisks, artisanal sauces, different yes. different kinds all laid out. Dipping bits. All and, sorts mm. of veggies. and it, It's just a smorgasbord of food for only seven people. Well, two of them are Nakir, oh, so true. they need a lot. That's a valid point. I mean, Marvin, Escar glow all the time. Clint knows how much he can put away. And he doesn't even see all the snacks he eats at the shop. <laughs> Probably not. At the Kaida Claw. I figure Val and Rui chatting and stuff, and Pavi's just having a nice time. And Athena's still trying to get a beat on Roja, because she has no idea what's going Like, she's seen her in various states of existence without knowing which one is her default, and mm-hmm. that's very confusing for Athena. She just doesn't know. Rui uh, pairs off to go talk to Val, and Marv goes over and starts chatting with Clint. I think maybe he's admiring Clint's uh, cooking, like his, his cooking handiwork, and they're just sort of pointing between the various types of dishes. And, <laughs> Look, there. Yeah, <laughs> I the, made that. It's like, well, well, this one is really good. And he's like, oh, I've, mm, are you going to put that on the main menu? You should. She shouts. <laughs> they both chuckle. Uh, and Pavi is just grabs a plate and is just going through and slapping things on. Uh, and Roja, I think, is maybe just standing back still and watching. Roja, don't you want anything? There's plenty. She's, like, near the group, right. but she's not. So she'll say, um, yes, thank you. I will I will get some soon. Okay, do you, do you want anything to drink? I was going to make a couple cocktails for midday. Midday cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, that would be lovely. Thank you. So Athena makes some dynamite little mimosas. Do you make, like, a whole tray of them? Or? Yes. One for everyone, with a little orange wedge on the on the side. Very nice. She's all about the presentation. She's not very good at cooking at all, but she presents okay. Okay, everybody will take a mimosa. Yes. And then, um, I think maybe Clint takes his and steps forward and raises it up and says, I just want to thank everybody for coming today. We're so glad to have Pavi back very, very shortly after. Feeling better and having that i'm just rambling now but <laughs> thanks for being here we love you glad you're back but glad you're better speech over <laughs> and yeah and maybe there's just <laughs> some sighs and some light <laughs> laughter and clapping from everybody and a couple of tinks is i feel like it's comfortable yeah of course yeah this is clearly a group of people that at least in your absence has grown closer maybe. Grown, grown somewhat closer yeah and you look over and Roja is taking a sip. Roja has a smile on her face when she's taking a sip. Um, and I think as the clinks are going around the room, you are facing the, the front of the shop. Uh-huh. And uh, you can see a couple of figures walking towards Escar Glow from the street. Well, they might be disappointed because it's a private party. Uh, well, the door opens with the jingle. Oh. It is a pair of figures. That walk into the restaurant. Okay. A little jingle, and I think everybody looks over in that direction. The first of the figures is a shorter man with pale green-tinged complexion, no hair on his head, some pointed ears, a wide, toothy smile with the slits at the corners of his mouth, and some blocky, black-framed glasses. And some tattooed eyebrows. And some tattooed eyebrows. I did not remember Bitch that. Bitch-ass got alopecia or some oh, shit. God. <laughs> Uh, but it is Mobius. Good. Of Mobius strip acclaim. Yep. 
Do you remember Mobius? Do you I, remember who I he is? do remember Mobius. Okay. Behind Mobius is a Karnak man. He looks very chameleon-like. He's probably an Ignean, from what you can tell, but yeah, mostly chameleon features. So he's got sort of a hunched back. Um, his fingers are almost palm hands, and he's got the With curly like the tail. Two fingers and the thumb. Mm-hmm. But Does he, he have a ridge on his head like they sometimes yeah. do? Yeah. And I think uh, his scales are sort of a beige gray. It's okay. like very plain. Uh, but he's in a suit, which is, of course, tailored for him as a Karnak, so his tail's poking out the back. Cute. And he's holding a, a small briefcase as they come in. Mobius holds the door and sort of jingles it a couple times and says, Uh, knock, knock. God. Is anyone home? Athena slams the rest of her drink and sets it on the counter and just waits. Because she can't handle this conversation sober. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to be a little buzzed. Sure, so Mobius takes a couple steps in. He's flanked by uh, his Karnak accomplice. Oh, good. Clint, you're here. I thought this would be a good time to make our accord legal and binding. This might be your last chance to bail yourself out of hot water. I feel like Athena's... She's on the other side of the bar where Clint is not, but mm-hmm. I think she sidles to like stand in front of him a little bit to make Mobius have to move to see him. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You do that, and I think, I think Clint like starts to respond, and then you step in front of him, and he's like, oh, oh. So he just sort of talks around you. <laughs> Mobius, we're sort of in the middle of a, a private function, sort of a happy reunion. Can we do this in just a little a little bit later? How do you keep coming when we're doing important things? How does it keep happening? Well, I suppose our definitions of important are quite different. <laughs> God. Fuck, I thought that would work. <laughs> we just have this shot of Athena like a mock <laughs> laughing at him and him just laughing. <laughs> I should have prompted for a taunt there. Go ahead. I just and taunt always him. forget I have taunt. You see. Okay, and this is going to be resisted by his uh, smarts. God, I hope he's dumb, but I don't know. Jesus. What'd you get? What do you think? Is I it a crit fail? It's a crit fail. Yes. Okay, well, I'm gonna say Mobius probably is a D6 in smarts. Damn it. But he's probably also a wild card. Do you feel like that's appropriate? I feel like just, at this point he's maybe such not a- in combat, but like for these situations, <laughs> Mobius is a wild a bastard. card. All right, so I'm gonna roll his just to see. Okay, so he got a five and a one. Uh, but with your crit fail, I think you do that, and that prompts his. He he just laughs back at you and over you and go <laughs> fuck what does it does anything happen to me i think this means that you are distracted instead I feel of him distracted. so it's gonna be a minus two to things you do in the immediate future she's just future. got her arms crossed and is just scowling at him yeah you're just you're so incensed at the um, the gall the gall that's what i was looking for the gall of this little <laughs> goblin man the gall the gall Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. <laughs> oh. I guess she can't say anything else because she's very distracted right now. I think she's just she's just trying to survive this mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, Mobius puts his three-fingered hands up in front of him and rolls the fingers together and says, Well, Clint, I am a busy man with a thriving business and only so much opportunity for frivolity. Consider this my form of flattery that I take time out of my busy schedule to come here and help you save your business or lose it <laughs> as the case might be oh yeah your busy days singing karaoke must be rough so busy business is booming <laughs> I think Clint chews at his lip and looks around and 
Marv and Rui, you know, basically just like, hey, hey, man, come on. You do what you need to do, Clint. We can wait. And uh, Val gives him a supportive nod. He says, all, all right, Mobius, let's let's get this taken care of. Just hashing it out, I guess. Yep, and they uh, they pull up some chairs and a table, and they sit down on opposite sides, and I think Clint and Mobius are just laser eyes at each other. And uh, Mobius holds up a hand and says, I'd like you to be the neutral party attorney of our court. And the uh, chameleon Karnak steps up and says, My name is Kip Ma. We are here to draft an agreement between Mobius Richter and Clintero Sedaris. We will discuss and decide terms which will serve thereafter as binding contract with obligations requiring fulfillment. It may be annulled if agreed upon by both parties. And uh, he just sort of looks at both of them and blinks his eyes independently, like one eye is sort of on each side. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) exactly that. So he's standing at sort of in the middle of the table with one eye on either of them. Nice. Puts his briefcase on and clicks it open. And he he moves not comically slowly, but he definitely so you don't know if maybe this is part of his biology or if or he's just stick or if he's like super old maybe oh he could be it's old it's hard to tell with Karnak yeah because they can Karnak, get real old they can and and not every Karnak does get really old the Karnak were one of the two predominant races prior to the Zero so mm-hmm. it was humans and Karnak but after that they like every other race had some physiological changes mutations so maybe um maybe that's an edge that we'll add in like they can take at a certain point if they have a certain vigor or something to like extend their lifespan and no other benefit that's just it anyway but kip puts his briefcase on the table and clicks it open and his hands just you know moving really slow deliberate getting everything done pulls Mm -hmm. out like a piece of paper at a time at a certain point it does become comical and it it just takes a long time to do oh i think Athena's flicking real worried glances at her mom in the corner. <laughs> yeah, and Val looks back at you, but sort of gives a little shrug, maybe, and then looks back to your father, and then back to you, and then back to your father. But just sort of like solidarity. Yeah, we're we're all here for for Clint. We're all here for him. Sure, he's, he's the best chef, best chef in the city. Best chef. Best chef. All right, so uh, Kip says, first you must determine terms of accord. What are the terms of this agreement? Mobius and Clint look at each other, and then Clint says, If I win the contest, Mobius has to pay all the back rent on the building and publicly acknowledge me as the better chef. And if I win the contest, I get to buy your building out from under you and evict you and expand the Mobius strip to my prestigious second location directly across the street. <laughs> Exciting. But that's kind of a shitty idea to expand right across the street. I mean, you do you, but... Kip, the chameleon, he's he's writing this out as they're talking. And Mobius looks up to you and says, Ah, I I see what's happening here. You think I'm doing this as a sound business strategy. No, I never assumed that, Mobius. Oh, maybe you should have. Because there seems to be quite a disparity between the success of my establishment, and he points behind him to where you can see there's still a good amount of foot traffic, and this place. This is purely a struggle of wills. I don't need to be involved in this at all. That's how successful I am. This is purely entertainment for me. Hmm. I could make far more investing my time elsewhere. Instead, I'm offering you the chance to save your family. And yet, I'm the bad guy. (laughs) 
Clint is just, like, staring daggers at him. Villains usually do think they're doing an honorable thing, don't they? I could have ignored you and let your business fail. In fact... And, uh, I think he pushes his chair up and takes the paper away from Kip and sort of shakes it there. I could turn around and leave right now. Is that what you want, Clint? And he waves it in front of Clint's face. Clint looks over to you and sort of arches an eyebrow, like, is this a bad idea, sort of? I think she shakes her head at him and is like, trying to convey, like, no, you got this. We've got you, you've got this. Clint takes the paper out of Mobius's hand, puts it back on the table, and puts it in front of uh, Kip, and he says, I could find another way, Mobius, but this is gonna be so much sweeter. And he just leans into it and grits his teeth, and Mobius, ah, 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 like father, like daughter, mm. and pulls his chair back and sits down. And I think this time he's, like, lounging in his chair, and he puts his feet up on the other side of the table. Hmm. His little, like, he he's short, remember, so he has he's, like, making effort to do this, and he is a little less visible in the chair. I want to shape metal. Okay. I want to make, I want to take away the area of the table that he has his feet up on, so he falls through it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead and roll it. Nine. To activate. Oh, I thought that was a six. Okay, no. I, was, I thought that was a six and a three, and you added them together. No, and I was like, is that how that works? Yes. <laughs> I was really confused for a second. <laughs> Sorry. Athena's eyes glow just a little bit, and she flicks her wrist backwards to just shoo the metal of the table from under his feet <laughs> into a little semicircle away, so he falls through the table. Does this happen after he's already put his feet on the table, or is this as he goes to put his feet on the table? They're like, already you... on the table. Okay, so he, he puts his feet up, and then you just yank it yep. away. For... Okay, gotcha. But only, only like, exactly a Mobius footprint she shears away and puts back as he's, you know, mm -hmm. as he's fallen through. <laughs> yeah, so I think, uh, he was in the middle of just about to say something to Kip, and then his feet fall through. He goes, oh! and is just thrown off. His his glasses are askew, and I'm not gonna make him roll for that. I'll say that uh, that distracts him. Nice. Mm -hmm. There's a I think a round of soft chuckles from everybody else in the room as that <laughs> happens, and maybe a couple of like golf claps. Golf claps, <laughs> and then Mobius looks up at you and, and kind of bares his teeth just a little bit. She shrugs and smiles. And changes his glasses and goes to sit back at the table. Kip looks up and he says, uh, what is the contest? And I think to maybe both Mobius and Clint together say, cook, cook off. off. Just looking at each other. Who will the judges of the contest be? This has not occurred to Athena. Yeah, I think they both blink at each other too. And, uh, Clint goes, uh, maybe Marv speaks up and says, Maybe, Clint, um, maybe you should both pick two. Maybe you pick one, then agree upon a third? And Clint kind of looks back to Mobius, who shrugs. Well, I mean, at the festival each year, there, there are food contests there already. There's probably a panel of judges, right? I you know, haven't been around for the past couple, but I doubt that's changed. That's a good idea. There's just sort of a, a round of murmur assent. The crowd will remember that. Everyone's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Clint nods to it and says, Does that sound fair to you, Mobius? Doing it at the festival? It'll be next month before the deadline? I think Mobius wrinkles his nose a little bit and says, Yes, that venue works for me. But how do we determine the judges? 
Hmm. Well, how about this? Each of you can approach some of the judges from previous years, pick out a few, and then you guys can collectively agree on however many you want. I think... Sounds um, fair, right? I think maybe Rui is the one who speaks up now. Well, I don't know if it's... It seems kind of inappropriate for all of these people to be picking their own judges. Why don't we leave it up to the cold? Yeah, why don't we? If you're going to register it at the festival this year, then they're going to have other judges, and they can pick people who are more impartial. And it seems to me that if everyone knows who the judges are beforehand, and if you two pick your own, then they're already going to be predisposed to want to select you. So maybe, maybe we need more impartiality. Is that a word? Impartiality. Well, I don't see why it can't be. Language Thank- language is in flux, Rui, you know. <laughs> Thank you, dear. That's true. And she gives you a smile. <laughs> yeah. The and she, Rui has um, longer hair than Pavi. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously a different cut, but hers is more traditional, kind of flopping all over her shoulders. And she's wearing like, a billowy skirt. And just very, very happy looking lady. She loves her family. Athena knows. Mobius again wrinkles his nose and says, The judges do not bother me. Whatever you decide is fine. That is acceptable. Oh, good. Kip continues to write. Good. I suppose that means the venue, time, and date are all decided. Yep. Then it appears we have an accord. Shake. And they each reach a hand across the table and grip. And there's, I want to say there's like almost that straining leather sound. It's just their hands. Yeah. But there's but, just like a... Uh, that, that creak. Let me stop. Sign, then pushes the paper to one and then the other, and they both think, scribble their names. I think Clint signs first, but as Mobius is signing, like as he's already writing out his name, Athena wants to say, Uh, Miss, Mr. Ma, what would happen to a contestant if they were found to be cheating? And she would like to roll intimidate. Okay. Uh, so this is going to be at a minus two still because you were distracted earlier. Right. But he was distracted he was as, well. as well. Oh, this is going to be a contested roll. So oh, it's a me, contested roll. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a. So, again, I got so a, it's his spirit. I think. I think he's probably just got a d6 still. Okay. Well, I got a three. Uh, he got a one and a two. <gasps> and you say that, and maybe uh, from where you're looking, you see in his swooping signature, there's like the briefest little stutter, and it just goes. So it just looks she a little jankier. But he doesn't. He doesn't look up. He just keeps going. Kip says. This is a legally binding contract. If either party would be found to be breaking this contract or invalidating it through chicanery of any kind, they would not only forfeit their interest in the contract, but could also be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Would you mind if I grab one of your business cards? Not at all. She walks over to grab one, and as she's turning back to return to the counter, she gives Mobius a nice little clap on his back. It's just a little... <laughs> but yeah, so you, you get a business card from Kip, and it's got his contact information on there. And then he uh, takes the completed contract and looks around at everyone and says, Good day to you. And turns to leave. And nice. Mobius is still at the table and pushes himself up as Kip is walking out and starts making his way towards the door and pauses to look back at all of you and says, Enjoy the time you have left with your happy, happy memories. Really, I'm doing you a favor when you look at it that way. You know what? I don't think Athena has any words specifically. She's already said more than she probably should have. Athena is going to utilize her still active shape metal and 
have a chair corral him towards the door without her moving. <laughs> you can have a bunny for that. That's Yay. really good. That's very good. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, the, the chair, like Merlin, just starts <laughs> pushing him closer to the door. Very Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. I think she's just manipulating it with one hand. Her fingers will twitch how she wants it to like move in space, kind of, but maybe behind her back. <laughs> but obviously, he yeah, knows. Like, who's, who's gonna be? Who's, <laughs> Who could it be? This magic chair is pushing me out. And I think the first, when it first approaches him and bumps him, he just kind of goes, oh, oh, very, very cute trick. I'm full of them. I'm going, I'm going. Not fast enough. She bumps a chair into him a little bit more. I think she, as she's pushing him out, she just says, say hi to Dick for me. And yeah, I think he just lets the chair push him out and he says, oh, oh, I will. Don't worry. And then closes the door and just stands on the outside of the door looking in for a moment. And you hear, you hear his laugh muffle just. <laughs> she pulls down the blinds. <laughs> and they go down and he stands there for a second. <laughs> like silhouetted. <laughs> yeah, and then he leaves and he walks across. Good. The street and goes back into. I think she goes and grabs a chair with her actual physical hands and puts it back and puts the blinds back up. Yeah, that bastard. Yeah, and uh, Pavi is biting a smile. That was good. I like that. I thought it got the point across. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think he got the point. And he looks over to Marv and he says, "Marv, would you be able to put in a word with the Baron about this?" You know, Todd. Yeah, how's Todd doing? I haven't seen him since I've been back. Oh, he's doing quite well for himself. I heard. Things are going well. Yep. Oh, of course, Clint. I'll be happy to say something to Ton on your behalf. I'm sure he'll be happy to help you out. We'll, we'll get this straightened. Don't you worry. Got a couple of weeks yet. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. I think she stands with a comforting hand on Clint's shoulder, just making sure he's feeling good. Yeah, and he looks up and he gives you a smile and he pats your hand. And his salt and pepper mustache bristles a little bit. As it it like stretches out as he smiles <laughs> a little bit. You know? um, I think maybe only a moment or two later, the door tinkles again mm. and somebody else enters the restaurant. The restaurant? The restaurant. <laughs> well, who is it? Is it Mobius again? Because she might resort to actual violence this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Tuca. It's Tuca! Tuca, yes. You had uh, invited Tuca. I had invited to Tuca. To come and meet you here this afternoon. But she enters the restaurant and she's dressed in casual wear. Her form is smaller. You know, she's she's hunched over a little bit and she's sort of wringing her hands together and takes a step or two in the door and says, Oh, um, am I am I interrupting something? No, no. You're fine, come on in. Everybody that doesn't know Tuka, this is Tuka. She helped me the other night when I was coming back into the city, and she's a delight, we're gonna go watch some Shazad. <laughs> and she waves her clawed hand to everyone and her her smile is very wide she's got a wide mouth she says oh uh hi everybody i'm tuka like like she said and she sees uh pavi and waves and then she sees roja and kind of gives one last awkward <laughs> like hey how's it going i just is everything okay because i just passed somebody he looked kind of like a real nasty look on his face oh what did he look like um I don't know, just like angry, like a sourpuss. Good. Know? Oh, good. Like he just wasn't having a good time. Everybody, so everything okay? <laughs> it's a lot better after we found that out. Oh, good. Well, okay. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. And uh, I think Tuka steps closer and sort of nods to everybody, but is still 
in a situation where she doesn't really know anybody here. Right, so. right. So I think what Athena had said when she invited Tuke out was to meet her here. I don't think she expected it to be a party kind of atmosphere at the time because she invited her like a week prior. But just that she'd be there and then they'd go have some some shazad and be really good. Yeah, so Tuka looks around and she looks to Pavi and then to Roja and she says, So, uh, you you all coming too? Roja shakes her head and her braid flops just a little bit and she says, No, we have a prior engagement, but I'm sure you two will have a wonderful time, a wonderful safe time. And she looks over to you and then back to Tuka. I think she, Athena, like, makes a little face at her, like, don't imply that we're not going to be safe in front of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> like, squints at her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think Clint or Val have noticed this. Oh, or good. think this is uncharacteristic. Tuka, do you want to grab some food? There's plenty. I do I recall mean, you saying something along the lines of, you love a food. I love food. <laughs> I, if it... I would be more than happy to <laughs> well, help you with that if the, you got something you needed me to help you eat, then it's sort of my obligation, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to well, that'd be nice. The good news is, this is the best food in the city. Oh, well, you know, I haven't tried it before, but I might be inclined to agree. Well, let's get into that. Yeah, so I think you guys, everybody sits around and you eat, and maybe just some, some light chit-chat, but... Before they leave, Athena did want to talk to her mom real quick. I think she'd pull her out into the front of the the shop, looking like she's looking at inspecting some metalwork and asking her a question, but really she just needs to ask her some questions about her dad, so he's not going to be suspicious or weirded out or get in his own head about shit. Okay. So that's what she's doing. So, yeah, Val will say, um, um, yes, dear, what, what is, what's going on? What do you need? Well, uh, I... Does dad need anything in particular? Like, I know he, he hasn't been very upfront about stuff that would help. I've been I've been putting in some, some legwork, trying to get some favorable buzz going, and that's been going okay, but is there anything he's mentioned to you that um, would... I just don't know. I want to do everything I possibly can, because Mobius is going to cheat for show. Well, I think... I think if we have the contest at the festival... That will go a long way to making sure that we can have a better idea of what's going on and who's there. If we can find out who the judges are beforehand, we can make sure that Mobius doesn't... Get his little fingers in them. That's that's a good way of putting it. Probably a grosser way of putting it than I needed to. She gives you a pat on your arm and, <laughs> and sort of a pinched smile, but your father hasn't said anything like that but i think i think we just need some some good words some good what do they call it um but buzz the buzz yeah good buzz good buzz i'll keep trying to do that i passed out some flyers a while back i think it went pretty well buzz is well now that we have the agreement then it really just comes down to the contest so we need to Maybe if we got more people in who were at least trying the food, they could give him more feedback. Maybe he just needs to refine his work before then. Okay. That's or a maybe thought. that's all I can really think of. If we're if we're having the contest, I have no doubt that your father is a better chef than Mobius. But we just need to make sure that everybody else knows that too. 
So as long as they aren't being bribed, and as long as his quality is high, then I feel like everything will probably work out. A lot of the toppers don't understand, you know, this type of food, the barisks and all that. Not at all. And I think that's why Mobius gets so much more business. But if it's at the festival, chances are better that it's going to be... Appreciated. Appreciated someone, you know, um, a food aficionado. I'll, I'll ask. I'll try to... I'll try to see if there's something that you could do for him that would make him feel better or help him get his head in the game. Well, I'm going to be running interference the day of regardless because I've never trusted a man less in my life. (laughs) I don't know what I can get done, but at least I can have eyes on him at all times making sure. Oh, God, Mom, has he been watching? Has he been watching the news at all? I don't think so. Don't let him. Oh. Why? Um, Dick Richter works for Novi now, currently, and has been running some ads for his dad that have been featuring... featuring dad in ways that aren't... flattering. Just kind of as a background item. And I think they think it's super funny, but if dad ever sees them, they would destroy him. So we're never going to let him see them, if that's a possibility. And uh, she's grown more concerned as you've continued to talk, and she nods to you. I think that's why the restaurants are kind of flip-flopped on productivity versus quality. Oh dear. Well, um, I it shouldn't be too hard to make sure he doesn't see that yeah oh and she takes a step closer and puts a hand on your arm and says have his parents seen it yep oh no yeah did they say something to you oh they tend to i made it very clear that dad just needs encouragement and support i i'll make sure he has that from me and he will never see that advertisement that's good that's good because she sort of gives you a pat each word she says that yep (laughs) but you get the feeling maybe it's more for her own reinforcement than yours like now i have to make my mission that he never like looks at a monitor again (laughs) god but at least she's she knows about it now Mm -hmm. she's been prepared yes she now she knows and I think as they're walking back in, Athena grabs one of those little glowy flowers from off of the vines that's grown up the building and puts it in her hair. Val's hair? Yeah. Just, oh, thank you, dear. It's so pretty. They always have such excellent taste. <laughs> well, maybe. You do. Dusts off her hands like she's been doing some light metal working mm-hmm. to complete the ruse. Uh-huh. And says, Tuka, you ready to go? And Tuka, who has just taken a bite of something delicious and has, like, those fluttering eye savory (laughs) sort of snaps out of it when you say that and looks over to you. And maybe there's even, like, a slight color shift in her scales as she takes (laughs) a bite, just, like, and her mouth is full and she starts to respond. I bet Clint is very delighted by that. Yeah, let's say there's a a slow camera pan over to, like, include Clint (laughs) in the shot and he's just sitting there, like, looking ecstatic. Like, yeah, just looking ecstatic. And she starts to respond and then swallows and says, Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess I could tear myself away from 
all this delicious food. Well, we but, could always come back later. I mean, that might be nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see, get some shazad in, see how things go. That's what be I'm fun. It'll be fun. I've been really excited. Thank you so much for inviting me. No problem. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Well, I think Athena does a round of goodbyes and I love yous and spends mm-hmm. an especially, not a long hug, but a very fierce little hug on Poppy. Yeah, and she hugs you back. I was worried about you. She whispers in here and she says, I do. It's all right. And she draws a little line on her back. Mm-hmm. She gives you the taps. Good. Go have fun with your new friend. Maybe I will. Maybe you will. Have fun, you and Roja. You guys have a nice time. And I'll see everybody later. And then everyone's, no, goodbye. <laughs> Go. There aren't, there aren't so many people in the crowd that I can just make a random voice and do that. because. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodbye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody says goodbye to you, and you can uh, leave with Tuka. Let's do it. Just looking at our map here, the quickest way is definitely going to be the highway. Yeah. Unless uh, you were taking a vehicle of some sort or just taking your time. Do you think there's canal transit? Absolutely. I didn't think about that at all. But, like, if you look, I mean, it goes throughout the city. So. Oh, you did such a great job with these maps. Thanks, Pickle. So cool. I like how all the canals don't go into the western city. I never noticed that before. That's a really cool... Well, because uh, I figured they built that up second. I think you're absolutely right. They probably consolidated as much of their population in the eastern district as possible because it's like where all the research yeah. and stuff were research up here and, and goes into the... And... T- yeah, everything's mostly... And the mines are over there. This is just like extra space, so... I imagine that the spire was built partially into the cave wall before they excavated more, maybe? Like, maybe it was a concerted effort where they first plopped it down to, like, carve out more of the cavern. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what so I mean? they actually emptied this area out. That's what I was thinking, maybe. That's pretty cool. That's why it's so, like, geometric like over there I like for the that. most part. I like that. That's I, I hadn't thought about that at all, but I really like that. Maybe just they were expanding and they needed more room. Yeah. So, like, fuck, we gotta dig. Yeah. And maybe they just can't dig anymore because it's not stable. That's kind of what I figured. Like, they, they're at the point where they can't safely expand the cavern walls, but they can, like, go deeper into the tunnels and stuff. Cool. I like that. Athena and Tuka leave Escar Glow. We do. So Escar Glow is located on the southern side of the city. Pretty close to the wall. Pretty close to the wall on the southern, southeast, south-southeast. And the Shard, which is the arena for Shazad, is in the far northeast of the city. Mm-hmm. Also along the wall. And uh, the most efficient way to get there is the highway. True. Uh, is that what you guys are doing? I think we'd take the highway to the stop under the shard and then walk the rest of the way. Because I think the like one right one at here? the shard can get a little congested. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. Just a little walk, you know. Not that far, but a little talking time. So you are traveling with Tuka. And Tuka, of course, is a Karnak. Man, how long has it been since we've seen Tuka? It's been an eternity. So I okay. missed her. I, I didn't know how long it was going to take for me, her to pop back up. Me so either. Things I, did, really... I didn't want to. F- I didn't want to rush it. A lady so nice, she got a romance first. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, Tuka has white and brown scale patterning. She looks somewhat like a cross between a salamander and an axolotl. So she's got she's uh, so cute. head tendrils that sort of look like hair because they got these feathery white bristles. So yeah, you and Tuka are on your way to the shard. How's her how's her general vibe? Her general vibe <gasps> is 
I've never looked at Tuca. That's true. Oh, shit. Well, I got to do that right now, obviously. Go for it. All right. Athena's casting empathy because she only knows one fucking power. Wildly inaccurate. Yeah, it is. She actually knows a lot. Well, I beefed it. I mean, you're not. I'm just going to wait and I'm going to cast it again. Four. Okay, so success. In terms of empathy and her aura, it's very brightly colored right now. It's moving fast. You can tell that she's energetic and excited and probably anxious. But uh, yellows, oranges, bright greens, happy colors. Happy colors. You do not notice anything abnormal about Tukazar. Oh, good. That's excellent. She looks happy. She's got a lot of smiles. She just had a delicious meal. True. Clint is <laughs> A masterful. delicious free meal, apparently. Yeah, free meal. So yeah, Tuka's happy. Good. Tuka seems to be having fun. Cool. So I just got to say, I've been looking forward to this. Since we decided on a date and a time, because my week has been really weird, and it's just nice to get out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been looking forward to it, too, Um, ever since you said something after you got back to the city. So, mm-hmm. thanks for inviting me out. No problem. Really, really good time. Something I should mention before I forget about it is terrible, because um, it involves Phil Nutter. Um, he wanted me to sweet talk you into a date with him and I I feel in my bones that you do not want that to even come close to happening ever at all just wanted to let you know that's what he's trying for I think so you, be head on a swivel on that one you say that and I think as soon as she figures out where the conversation is going her hair tendrils flatten just a little bit they're not as perky and her expression is sort of that it's like, fuck, the, not Toothless, the White Dragon. And oh. the, like the, <laughs> sort of like deer in a headlight. A surprised grimace. Yeah, surprised grimace. Like, well, um, yeah, I say your, your interpretation of that situation is probably pretty accurate. That's kind of what I, what I thought. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of wanted to make you aware of it. So if he talks to you about it at all, you know if it's coming. All right. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel... I don't really know much about him as a person, but, you know, he, he kind of, I get that gross little sleazeball vibe off him, so. Yeah. Not really my type. I don't know. You know, I did, I did ask him. I tried to run a screen for you. I asked him what he liked about you, and he said that, um, he thought that you were pretty and fierce, and he liked your feathers, think you're a very interesting person, and you know, during that conversation, he only put his tongue on me once, so I feel like that's a good a good measure of how that goes. Well, everything you just said sounded pretty good up until he put his tongue on you. It was I mean, kind of a mixed bag, if I'm like being a, honest. Was he, like, coming on to you? No, I think he just wanted to pull me more into the shot with Bolt. Oh, alright. So but, it, wasn't, it wasn't related to the other stuff? You know, with how my week's been going, I don't even fucking know, man. <laughs> it's been so weird. All right. Yeah, I I appreciate you letting me know. Just as a heads up. Yeah. That's something I want to be aware of. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. Not especially interested in Phil Nutter. I cannot blame you. I don't see too much of him, so shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Well, I had another... You see that she like, looks over you with worried eyes? No, no, this is okay, maybe. Um, have you seen the news lately? 
What news are you talking about? Um, specifically the one where I'm at the head of a task force and people are calling me Deirdre and it's the worst. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's sort of pretty well known. <laughs> sort of all over the city, everywhere. Everybody knows. Well, Bolt kind of put me in charge of the task force. He doesn't seem very interested in making decisions. Somehow that don't surprise me. No, and I don't kind of... I don't really want to make him aware of this because I feel like if he's aware that he's not making decisions, he might want to make decisions. So I'm just going to let that ride. Do you want to get out of the checkpoint and do some actual regulating? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I want that. Fuck yeah. What, you saying I can join the task force? Oh, if you want to. Yeah, I mean... No. I want to get out of that. It's awful. Yeah, it seems wicked boring. Can I? When can I start? Tomorrow? Tomorrow, when? if you want. Yes, please. Awesome. I, are you, I mean, are you sure I'm going to be allowed to? I don't see why not. Bolt's been pretty much chill. He put me in charge of staffing up. We grabbed, we grabbed Pavi a couple days ago. That didn't work out super well up front. But she's back on her feet now. She looked pretty tiny. Tiny? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, she not quite as beefy as some of the other ones. Well, neither is Zadal. <laughs> He's arguably tinier. Does she know Zadal? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I know who that is. Oh, he's um an Inquisitor. Arrow. Small. Little surly. Hmm. Why, if you get to pick your body, why you pick a small one? I mean, I don't know. I've been wondering. Hmm. Maybe that ain't quite the type of thing you're supposed to ask somebody. I don't think it is. Hmm. But you gotta figure, if somebody make a choice, they do it for a reason. Yeah. So you don't ask somebody about something they can't change about themselves, but I, what about something they pick for themselves? I was thinking, he he's an inquisitor, yeah. and people, when there are things around them that are smaller, they might not notice them as much and might not perceive them as much of a threat. Yeah, that's but a good point. He's got quite a bit of brain power, so I think he's just, it's a, might be a misdirection. Big brain, little body. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, so, I mean, yes, I would love, I would love to join you on the task force, but, um, even if Bolt letting you make decisions, I mean, you just... You just say, I'm in, and I'm in. Do you got to talk to him? I mean, he's sort of... He's not really one of us, you know? He's... He's not, but... You know, I've spent a good amount of time with him this past week. He's actually pretty nice. She gives you a very I know, skeptical look. I know. She puts her hands up. Like... Idea, I mean, you know he... Right out of Leopold pocket. Oh, I'm I aware. Mean, he's... All right, well... You know they don't like me. At all, like... Yeah. At all. And he I don't wanna get you in trouble. Especially you just <laughs> got back. Tuka, I could not be in more trouble than I'm possibly already in. Like, um this I'm willing to take a bullet for you if it gets you out of that fucking checkpoint. I mean you already did take a bullet for me, I, so Oh fuck, I forgot about that. It was so long ago. Yeah, it she feels sort of like able. Tuka, I get shot a lot. It's not the first time. I'm good. Next time, I I'll used, just make a bigger shield. I used to get shot a lot. She, she always <laughs> says it like a little wistfully. Like, 
you should know before committing to this. I think what we're investigating right now is some pretty fucking heavy stuff. And it's going to be really dangerous. And I can't tell you a lot more than that right now. But you should know. I mean, chill, case confidentiality. I get it. I mean, I'm okay with that. I grew up, I mean, I was with the Cassians when growing up. So I've been in the tunnels. I fought literally tooth and claw. Yeah. I mean, I've, I fought things. I've been a regulator. I got his squads coming after me every so often. So I get it. I I ain't too worried about a little danger. How about, I think she bobs her eyebrows a little bit. Intrigue. Intrigue. Yes. Yeah, so. Is this some kind of code? <laughs> no. Some <laughs> secret wink, like intrigue. <laughs> That's all. Secret clubhouse password. Oh, it, you know it should be. That'd be that'd be kind of on intrigue. the nose. Intrigue. Yeah. No. Um, what do you mean intrigue? Um. I gotta. I mean, you know who my uncle is, so I ain't exactly. Oh, he said hi. You met Uncle Remy. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, I was out to dinner with my grandparents the other night at Peak, and, uh... That fancy place is a bowl. The fancy place in the bowl. I guess your grandparents would. Yeah, they... I think it's their favorite spot, but the food's not quite up to standard. Mm. I think she buffs her fingers on her shirt, though she's done <laughs> nothing to facilitate anything her father has cooked ever. Yeah, well, i never been there. My, my, he'd try to take me a couple times. I don't want to go. I didn't really feel comfortable there, but, you know... I can understand your, that. Your daddy got real good food. This oh, food's mm. the best. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, if you think I'm, it's going to be okay for me to join up, then yeah, I really that. Yeah, please. Yes. yes. Oh, finally something goes right. <laughs> she says out loud. I think, uh, I think Tuki gives you a hug. Oh, really? She, she goes in and just gives you a, a really quick hug and then sort of. That's so nice. Realizes she did it and goes to pull away really fast too. Sort of like, oh, sorry. That's okay. I'm just really excited. I get to go back and do stuff again. Yeah. I mean, you're I mean, being wasted up there. I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, if you're sure that they're going to let me, I ain't going to I'm going to say no. I but mean, I ain't going to hold my thing. breath until I find out for sure. I'm pretty sure the only criteria Balt gave me was good in a scrap and public image. I don't know if he specified good or bad, but we'll find out. Uh, Tuga looks a lot more worried at that. <laughs> she gives her like a little si a friend side mm -hmm. hug. She's like, it's going to be okay. I, I think as you say that Tuka's color pattern ripples, and she's not wearing her smart suit, so like her clothes don't right. change, but her scale pattern and her tendrils ripple into more of an active camouflage and just sort of like mirror what's behind her to like oh oh tuka i was talking about me i'm sorry my public no. image is in the toilet right now well they're still being kinder to you than me so it could get worse oh i'm sure it at could. least you don't got hit squads following you around <laughs> what do you mean what was that no what was that noise you don't get to make that noise and not I, explain. I feel as if I did make that noise. Okay, you don't get to make it and did not say anything. You got and she I think you guys are on the highway right now, so like it's there are people, but it's not Yeah. Like you have a little space and she leans and she said, Athena, you are you alright? Are people people following you around? Um 
And she she's like looking around the train now, kind of yeah, as Athena, passively as she can. But like, Athena's doing a little bit of a side eye around, just a bit to see if anybody. Can I roll a nose? Yeah, go ahead and roll me a nose. Beef that one. Two and a one. You don't notice anything out of the ordinary. Athena nods to herself, having not seen anything, having looked real hard. Sure. I can't. I can't talk about a lot, but I. This is a tough one. This is a tough one, Tuka, because I don't know how much I can say without just saying everything. But there's some. There's some. There's some bad, dicey stuff happening that I kind of got entangled in, and I'm trying to work through it. And that's all I can really say right now. She, uh... Is that okay? I'm sorry, that's so vague. She gives you a pat on your leg and she says, No, I... It's alright. I get it. Um, well, be safe. I mean... Uh, you, you too. Oh, yeah, I'm not... Get away wouldn't it be enough. funny if two hit squads at once come to get both of us? Well, I what, don't... I don't know if funny is quite the word no, I would use, I don't but, think it would be either. Um... Well, maybe we can play them off one another. Yeah. That could work. Misdirection. Well, how about we just hope that don't happen? Let's just hope. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Well, good news is we're going to see Shazad. Oh my god, yes! She says. As your train pulls up to the station just to the south of the Shard. And um, this close, the Shard is a large structure. Mm -hmm. And so... The shard itself is an enormous crystal feature uh, growing out of the ground and the side of the eastern cave wall. Uh, it's a bit smaller than the size of a traditional sports stadium. Caldonix's population, I think we said, we don't have a fixed number, but in terms of oh, the it's size, flux. <laughs> it's probably between 100,000 and like 250,000. For, I think, depending on the to, amount of tourists. Yeah, it's like, it's like four square miles, um, yeah, four or five square miles, so... It's not enormous, but there's some space there. Uh, Alaricorp tourists are probably the biggest percentage of people, well, see, but the they foot, don't come... The footprint's f smaller, but it goes up. So it's a lot more space utilized than in an average city. So uh, about a quarter of the structure is up against the cave wall, uh, with three quarters of the crystal sort of ringing out. So it's like a circular structure. Um, the exterior points upward and outward, and they're just these huge jagged crystals against the backdrop of the cavern. It's one of the biggest energy shells in the city, and it's connected to the main source through a network of crystal roots underground, and that would be the main crystal that's uh, drained by the siphons. In the mine every in, day. In the mine every day. And uh, a majority, or a large amount, of the excess runoff energy gets sent to the shard. So it's busiest times in the afternoon, evening, after the discharge goes out, when most of the mine workers are free from their shift to go out and do things. Not a lot of people in the city know exactly how all of that works because it's pretty specialized. But, right. You know, and the, the energy is used to power many things on the shards, and the shard itself is manned by the Cassians. Mm-hmm. The Cassians... We haven't really gotten into them as a sect yet. We haven't. Um, they're part of the traditional Caldonix population in East City. Their main job is keeping the tunnels under control. Mm -hmm. Any tunnel leading deeper into the mountain range... It's a source of 
food, mm-hmm. agriculture, gather, exploration, gathering, bringing meats back from creatures that live in the tunnel, exploration, things like that. So a lot of them hold entrances in the tunnels that lead into the city to just make sure nothing gets through, and a lot of them send out hunting parties to gather and bring things back. But the shard is uh, connected to the wall of the city. Right now, the exterior crystals are a roiling sapphire blue with streaks of yellow and orange energy bolts rippling through it. Mm. Glow and pulse in different patterns. And uh, you know that people trained as siphons uh, also have the ability to interplay with this energy and manipulate it in this way to make different colors and patterns and intensity and things like that for basically visual effects. Yeah. It's definitely a more artistic application of it. And I don't think every siphon is suited for it, but some of them are. True. And uh, you guys get off the the highway and you make your way down the stairs in the crowd, uh, heading towards the shard. The exterior entrances cover about a quarter of the exterior, and you can enter from any angle. Uh, But it looms high in the sky, and it's hard to say how visible it is from across the city because there are a lot of tall buildings in the city that I think obstruct your view of it until you get a lot closer. I think the most visible thing about it from afar is the glow that it puts off. That's true, yeah. Because it's very bright, at least from the outside. And I think they they probably keep it less bright throughout the day on purpose, so it's not like a big eyesore distraction, but especially when there's an event going on or they want to draw people in, that's when they turn it up to 11 and really put out those Shazad bugs. Really give them the business. So uh, the exterior, again, it looks like a traditional sports stadium with all the ticketing booths lining the exterior and many of the entrances, and you can go up and purchase admission for a nominal fee. I think Athena gets Tuka's fee, Tuka's ticket price, because she bought her a sandwich. That's true. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, I had to pay back, you know, the sandwich debt. It was, it was a near and dear sandwich to my heart, so I was very, very hungry, you see, so... Oh, I understand. This is more than worth it. Well, it wasn't necessary, but I appreciate the gesture, mm-hmm. and I'm real excited to be here. Oh, God, me too. All right. I think she hands her her ticket, though. Yeah, and she Just takes the ticket. Sake. And you guys walk in, and there's a, a ticket checker who... Probably, I don't know if he scans them or just... I think he probably just collects probably them. Probably just eyeballs it, tears it off. Yeah, tears it off, and you guys go through some turnstiles. Ooh, I love a turnstile. I really love is a it the one? Is it one that, like, is it the hip or one that you walk through like a revolving door? I think it's These a are hip. the important questions. I think this is a hip. More informal. There is no assigned seating in the shard, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really matter where you enter from. So you guys make your way uh, through the turnstiles, and then maybe there's another short set of stairs that you can go up. It does empty out into this big, like, ring on the inside that's kind of like a train tunnel mm-hmm. with, a, like, a, a curved roof, but... A long, long arch tunnel. It may be inside, but I don't think that means it's any less bright. Yeah. Because this is Shazad. This is Shazad. This is Shazad. So I think there's just merch booths everywhere. It smells like good food with all these concession rings. I'm basically imagining it, like, I don't know, like a hockey rink, how there are all the concessions around the outside, but instead of an oval, it's a semicircle. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And you can find just about any kind of food that would be sold in the city here from vendors. They have people selling uh, programs, memorabilia, merchandise. Plushies. Plushies. Sure, I'm I'm sure there are plushies. (laughs) And there's a stand with some free pamphlets promoting other city attractions. Oh, she still has it in her back pocket of her jeans, maybe. It went through the wash, though, so... Oh, 
What are you gonna do? Yeah, but it is uh, it is bustling in here. There's a lot of foot traffic and a lot of people. The noise and energy level is higher and higher the deeper into the shard that you get, mm. and all sorts of smells wafting through the air. It's warm. It's sticky, but yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, it's worth it. Absolutely. As they're walking through the inner ring, she wants to make sure to look up at the mosaics and the murals because she loves those. Of course. And the on the walls are the enormous murals depicting famous battles or moments in the Shard's history, representations of past Kassars and aspirants who were the competitors in Shazad. Mm-hmm. And you, you could literally spend days walking through this tunnel and just admiring the artwork and learning the history and all things like that. And she has. And they're made from a combination of painting, chiseling, stone sculpting, and crystal artistry. They're vibrant and colorful. And they're all by different people. People come here just to look at this, too. It's an institution. As we approach the stadium seating, are there perhaps those boys carrying around trays of lemonades that are just like water with lemon slices in them like they do at everything oh, ever? Sure, do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of about? course I know what you're talking about. Anybody who's ever been to a sport <laughs> right. and it's $10. Fuck. I think Athena will get two lemonades. Oh, boy. Yeah, so big spender tonight. Big spender. Big yeah, spender. You, you each get one of those and you take a sip and it tastes like lemony water. Perfect. I bet it's not even super good. It's it's okay. It's refreshing, but not great. Probably a lot of sugar. Not as much as you would have liked. Damn it. <laughs> and it's pretty busy here right now. I mean, it's there aren't tens of thousands of people, but there's a sizable amount. Athena would like to pick up an aspirant registration packet while they're here. Yeah, you can definitely pick up an aspirant registration packet. Yes! If they have, like, specific kiosks around that are, like, customer service or registration or further information. She she grabs one real quick. She's like, I think my registration got dropped because I'm pretty sure they only keep these on for, like, a year or two if you're not back. Oh, yeah, you probably need to just renew, but you're still going to be in a database. Hmm. can do it? Well. <laughs> yeah. Tuka, do you... Do you compete or are you just do you spectate? Oh no, I never got into the competition. Why? I don't know. I just I don't know. I'd be very good at it. No. Oh my god, you'd be so good at it, Tuka. Oh, uh, well, I'm okay. I'm good at fighting. I can fight, sure. Uh, you know, I was with the Cassians for a long time, and you know, I kill my share of beasties, and I'm a regulator now, so I can do that. I don't. I don't know how well I do in front of crowds, you know? When you're down there, sometimes you forget there's a crowd. I don't know I would. I'd be real nervous. And her her scale pattern is oh. sort of flickering a little bit. I think she pats her on her like her arms. Like, I think you'd be okay if you gave it a shot. I don't know. I'm, I like it better when people don't know I'm there. That's how I do. I, that's how I'm good at things, I guess. I mean, you could just be... You can just be see-through the whole time. <laughs> that, that could be your thing. Well, maybe, but is that really interesting to watch? I mean, it You want to watch be. an aspirin that you can't even see? <laughs> no, no, okay. So oh, you just on. you just add some accessories. Misappear. She says, putting her hand out like she's making a rainbow shape. Misappear? Don't that make it sound like I should be visible? Oh shit! Maybe. Well, it's a, I it's like a play, to play on words. I like to play on words. It's very creative. You've heard me talk. I'm not a very good talker. I don't know how I've managed to do this in the past, but you just kind of get into it. 
Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll think about Just it. Just kind of falls into place. I'll think about it. Maybe made in one of the skirmishes. Who knows? Who knows? Um, what, are you guys doing anything else out here? Or are you going to go up and find some seats? I think we're going to go find some seats. I mean, she doesn't want to miss it. So, on this inner tube ring that they're still in, there are lots of, like, little tunnels that they can go through to the main Coliseum-style arena, but I think there are also stairs that lead up to the upper ring, because all of them lead out to, like, the bottom of the Coliseum and people filter up. But maybe if people want to go to their boxes first, they go up, because it's easier. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense to me. And the the stairs lead... So the, the entire stadium is amphitheater-style mm-hmm. seating. There are no assigned seats. You buy a ticket, you come in, you sit wherever you want to, stadium-style. The very top ring is where all of the private boxes are. You can only get there by climbing to the top, and there's really no other reason to be at the top because you have to have a box to be there. Right. So all the seats are sort of in like a... They're probably arranged in sections, but just so you can identify like what part of the Coliseum you're in. Yeah. I think Athena would want to plop down like middle of the pack, Mm -hmm. but kind of towards an aisle. You guys get some seats, like, right in the middle of the Coliseum, and it's starting to fill in. I think you're coming with the bulk of the crowd. And uh, as you're sitting down, Tuka says, Oh, I'm real glad we didn't miss the shaping. That's one of my favorite parts. Oh, my gosh. It's so cool. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and she stomps her feet just, like, a little bit in anticipation. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. I think it is. She slurps real noisy on her lemonade. (laughs) Yeah, One of those was for Tuka, by the way. She didn't just wasn't just a jackass that got two lemonades for <laughs> <No>. herself. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so as you guys sit down, uh, you get a better look at the stadium itself. And everything here is stone and metal. Like all the all the structure itself, but the uh, the exterior, the enormous crystal, uh, makes up the outside of it and mm-hmm. probably like the top. It's a shell. There is no roof, it's all open air. But the actual seating and the the internal structure is stone and metal. So the shard is built into the... Well, I mean, it grew out of, like, the cave wall. So a lot of the back wall is just this sheer cliff face. Yeah, and that's true. Um, the shard is a natural phenomena uh, that is... It's most crystal sources, veins, you could call them, uh, continue to grow. But for whatever reason, uh, the shard the crystal itself broke off at the top so there's still the bottom shell pointing up and it is still connected to the main source in the city through underground networks and sort of root tunnels so it still gets energy but it doesn't continue to grow anymore itself and it has this residual energy field to it that prevents fatal wounds which is why blood sport uh, became a popular pastime <laughs> yes prevents many fatal wounds. Well, I mean, not if you get, like, exploded, yeah, but... If you, get, if you get exploded or <laughs> decapitated or something real nasty, Nothing there's not much... Nothing you can do about yeah, that. So that's very frowned upon. But... Very against the rules, and... It's just the crystal that's been worn down by people who shape in it and stuff. Mm. But I think the energy that's still in the shell of the crystal, it makes every little footstep kind of ripple out like water. Ooh, I like that. That's really like, cool. Maybe not like terrain wise, mm-hmm. but like little energy Yeah, like going little, out. I like that. Yeah. I think that makes sense. It's visually confusing, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> sure. So the shard grew out of the cave wall and there is a tunnel open in that cave wall that leads deeper into the tunnels of the mountain. Uh, but there is a great door mm-hmm. that blocks off that tunnel uh, and allows the Cassians to go in and out through a series of smaller tunnels 
the main large door is made of stone and metal, much like everything else at the shard, and uh, looms large over the arena, completely solid and not impervious. Impervious. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> The large door is used to bring in larger creatures to the shard from time to time. And there are smaller doors and tunnel entrances for ease of use. And the tunnels also connect under the main floor, uh, which can open like an aperture due to earth controlling and rock forming type stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, to let people and things come up out onto the floor and change the terrain dynamically. You and Tuka are seated together, maybe just chatting, and you hear a very loud voice boom out over the Coliseum. It's Bolt Fueling here to ruin our good time. Ladies and gentlemen, we will begin the shaping momentarily. Please find your seats and don't move from them. Thank you. And there's a, uh, a rumble of voices and excitement. Within about 10 to 15 seconds, there is sort of a quake in the ground, like a shift, a grind. And then the cheer, there's sort of a cheer chant that starts up yeah. with people sort of stomping their feet in rhythm and <laughs> getting it stop, going. Clap. Copyright, we're not doing that. Oh, is it? I don't know. No. Uh, you feel the seats start to grind and shift and you look around and all around you, the Coliseum seating is starting to rearrange itself. Athena is delighted. Yeah, so the shaping the metal and stone seats start to flow together and rearrange and consolidate down. The field itself begins to dynamically shrink and reform itself so that the arena is much smaller in preparation for the upcoming event. Excellent. You just gotta squish everybody real close so so they all get a good seat. It's sort of like a weird slide roller coaster ride as you're all sitting there and things just... it's flow fun. around and yes, it is very fun. Some people put it their is hands not up good and, for motion sick people, but it's a real good time. And they put up their hands in the screaming Woo! and shouting. There's a lot of <laughs> and clapping and cheering and people it, spilling drinks. Yes, just <laughs> sloshing around. They make money off of this shit. This is they great. Do. Dumb tourists don't know any don't, better. Well, tourists don't really come over here, do they? Not, as, not a lot of not them. Not a lot of them, maybe. That's not the main population. This is for the city. Yeah, this, this is, is for the people yeah. of the city. I'm sure there are a lot of people from the surface that do come and enjoy it, but it is it is a city tradition, and it is more likely that you're going to run into residents here than anything else. So the whole thing takes probably a minute or less. It's pretty quick, and then uh, when you feel everything grind <laughs> to a halt, there's just a, a chorus of cheering and clapping Woo! and roaring of anticipation because it means things are almost about to pop off. Oh, man. Uh, but you do look around it, and there are always some people who are just kind of grumbly because they got moved somewhere they don't want to be <laughs> and they gotta get up and Deal move around. Deal with it, so nerds. Just, yeah. It's part of the experience. Mm-hmm. It is part of the experience. At this point, the siphons working on the crystal itself make the lights really dim. And then have like some really bright neon streaks going through it to get the crowd amping up. You know Ooh, what I mean? Yeah, I like that a lot. That's really good. Roll me a notice at plus two. Because this is you say. this is pretty easy. Let's okay. see if it goes over your head though. Six. After the shaping, and you know, I mentioned that some people grumble and move around because it's gonna happen. You notice that there is almost an entire section that moves itself. It's like the northeast corner of the shard that is right next to the wall, like Mm -hmm. the stands that are closest to that portion of the wall, there are some boxes, like box seats that are privately owned and stuff. The primo seats. Yeah, and those those are up uh, on the ring near the top of the structure where people can walk and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
So the the box seat that is farthest in the corner near the wall, Mm -hmm. there's a section directly below that where there are a good amount of people sitting. And then there is a clear lack of people sitting in the section right next to that. And then there's sort of everyone else. So there's like this one section that's off on its own. That's weird. And right after the shaping, they everybody who was over there sort of got brought closer together to the group, like Mm -hmm. the the audience as a whole. And then a lot of those forms on the other side. And you're sitting farther away from there, I think. So it's farther. You can't see it as well. But a lot of those figures start to get up and shift and move. And they sort of gravitate back further away towards that box and section. Okay. Why are they moving back there? Do you ask this out loud or are you just talking to yourself? I think she is talking to herself, but she does say it out loud. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, these are the good seats tonight. Yeah, this I mean, is the hot spot, right? I mean, some people like sitting closer to the boxes, but... That seems weird, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't come as often as I used to just because, well, I'm, I'm trying not to go out in public too much, but that's kind of weird. I think she makes a mental note to possibly look into that. Music begins to fade in. It grows louder and louder as a heavy fog gathers overhead and lights swirl through the air. A voice booms out, echoing through the stadium, reverberating off the dense mists above, and chatter dies out almost instantly. Welcome, admirers, enthusiasts, patrons, and sponsors to this evening's action. The announcer's voice echoes and the crowd roars its ascent. The energy in the stadium swells. We've got a special treat for you all tonight. Some fresh meat ready for slaughter. Woo! (laughs) Introducing the teacher of terror, the slasher of studies, the menacing meeting of mind and metal, Professor Ward. An aperture opens in the dirt ground of the arena floor and a long column of stone rises upward out of the ground. Standing upon the column is a scrawny-looking human man in a long white lab coat, and there is an enormous greatsword lodged in the column next to him with the handle facing up, and he waves a delicate-looking hand to the crowd. His visage is formed of light and fog in the air above the arena. I imagine it looks ghostly and cool. Ghostly and cool, but also you can see a lot of fine details. Um and it mimics his actions and broadcasts his words so that you can see what's going on more easily. Greetings, Caldonix. I am Professward. I shall usher in a new age of science and steel. <laughs> there is some scattered cheering applause, uh, some boos and laughter, but uh, it's all good-natured. Ooh, tough customer. Looks like we'll have to test his hypothesis. I wonder, who could we have to do that? The crowd chants and roars and laughs. Some the, stomps and some yeah, claps. Some stomps and, and some claps and the energy just builds. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. The woman of glorious gravel. An elite of elegant earth. The queen of the quarry herself. Magnitude magnificent. The noise is deafening as a second pillar rises from the ground in the arena opposite the first. 
a hulking blue Karnak, easily over seven feet tall, is striking a strongman pose with arms pointed upwards. The same pose you saw on a brochure in the spire. Athena remembers. Her scales are sapphire blue, the same blue as the shards crystals that are illuminated when you came in today. Orange accents rim the edges of her thick, scaly hide. Her muscles ripple as she moves between poses. She's got a craggy maw of teeth and jagged scales, and her eyes are bright and intense. A large, wide horn rests at the end of her snout, and a frill rims the back of her skull pointing upwards, sort of like a a triceratops, but smaller. And small shards of quarry crystals run along the frill like veins, and they're also sort of scattered around the rest of her body at sporadic intervals. And she's got uh, a tiny little turtle tail. Just a tiny little turtle tail. Tiny little turtle (laughs) As she rises and the pillar comes to a stop, she speaks and her visage also appears above the crowd in the stadium in the the fog and the light. That's funny. I thought I heard my name, but it wasn't loud enough. The crowd is one. Shouts Magnitude Magnificent's name as loud as they can. I, Allie, am not going to shout into this mic, but Athena is losing her fucking mind. Yeah, Tuka's right there with you. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I thought. I don't know why I bothered showing up. And then she turns to the, the other pillar. <laughs> what are you supposed to be? Some nerd with a sharp stick you can't even lift? <laughs> She's an icon. <laughs> She's the best. Professor Ward bristles at that. Your uppance has finally come, magnitude mediocre. Athena, boo. Yeah, there's a loud... <gasps> And he, uh, he cowers in on himself for a moment, and you can see him sort of, like, twitching and writhing, and then he bursts outwards, doubling in size. What and the le- fuck? Both width and height, and his body is enormous and rippling with muscle to match magnitude magnificent. The lab coat is torn and hangs loosely and tatters on his frame. Uh, his face in the clouds above looks far more rugged and now super handsome. <laughs> what the Uh, But his glasses seem to have grown to match his head size. So he's kind of like Clark Kent in a ripped... Oh my god. But he's he's like like a Hulk-sized Clark Kent with a lab coat on, yeah. (laughs) Do you see now, you fool? Have at you! And uh, he easily uproots the sword with seemingly no effort and leaps off the pillar. And then she laughs again and leaps down with a whoop of joyous battle frenzy they both land and the ground of the arena begins to ripple like water and terrain forms in real time as they dash towards one another to meet in battle magnitude magnificent style is brutal she brings the force of her body to bear she folds into an armored ball like a great armadillo and spins towards professor at high speed and he's ready and brings the great blade down in a sweep knocking her off course and she smashes through several light walls of stone like a pinball. Oh, nice. Just like smashes through them a bunch of times before. Oh, she's so cool. She spirals around to face him and comes out of the ball. And she cracks her neck a little bit as the crowd's cheering goes, Not a bad trick. How about this? And she stomps the ground and there's a crack followed by a pillar of rock that sprouts from the feet of Professor Ward. And he's flung like across the arena 
and through another couple of slate walls that just nice. shatter. And these things are like paper thin. <laughs> like there's no danger to them. But it them. sounds good. It sounds good. And it looks and better. It looks better. Yep, you got it. I imagine there are lots of lasers happening right now. There's a. It, it's like a light show. I mean, everything's... You, you can still clearly see what's happening on the ground and above all the actions are mimicked. So if you have bad seats or you just can't watch as well, you get to see the, the pageantry that way. It's great. And they continue to battle and banter back and forth. Uh, new structures rise from the ground periodically and are <laughs> smashed and leveled just as quickly. The fight probably goes on for five to ten minutes before Magnitude Magnificent spirals towards him one final time in her ball form. She comes out of a roll in like an uppercut charge with her horn and just shatters the blade into like a thousand pieces nice. in the metal. Spirals outwards and gets embedded into the scenery everywhere in the wall. Professor is tossed back through several walls until he is finally embedded in the main cavern wall, and there's a huge cloud of dust that takes a moment to clear, but when it does, a normal-sized Professor is crumpled in a heap, and then uh, Magnitude Magnificent straightens up again and shrugs and says, <laughs> Barely even broke a sweat! And she turns to the crowd as she's rising up on another stone pillar, and she says her voice booming out, you know I love you all, but this is pathetic. Bring me a real challenge. There's got to be someone out there brave enough to match this magnificent magnitude. And she flexes again, then adds, Better sign up, and dives with a laugh off the pillar towards the ground like it's water, like she's just diving into water. And when she hits the ground, she breaks through and it ripples outwards like water, and she's gone. Oh, she's so She's so fast, so strong. <laughs> She's Athena's number one role model. Yeah, and there's a cheering all around, and uh, the energy is carried through, but you've definitely reached a crescendo. That's not all, folks. Stick around for more exciting shows on! Right after the bout ends, Tuka flops back down into her seat and turns to you and says, Ooh, That was a good one. That was a good one. Oh, man, it's been so long. She's only gotten better. Oh, yeah, she always great. She was, uh, she said she was busy today. Otherwise, I would have, you know, we could have gone and talked to her, but. We could have what? Yeah, I mean. What? Yeah, did I not mention that? No. Yeah, she's sort of like, after my dad died, she was sort of my legal guardian. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, she's not like my mom, but she's like, she's like my cool aunt, you Tuga. know. You're killing me. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta save some surprising. Oh my God, Tuka. She looks very satisfied with nice. herself right now. That was real hard keeping that on the lock. Oh, jeez. But yeah, you ever want to go meet her? I mean, just, we can go talk to her. I don't, I don't want to impose. I mean, it, not going to impose. She I, a normal person, just like you and me. I mean, she the Kassar, but. But she's also magnitude magnificent. Yeah, she is, but she's also, you know, Lizeth Rax, her real name. She a person who live here in the city. Yeah, I, I guess. And she scratches her face and is feeling <laughs> a little overwhelmed at the thought of meeting one of her heroes. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Tuka understands that. Puts a hand on, on your shoulder and gives you a pat and she says, we'll figure something out. Oh boy, maybe. Maybe. No, we will. I mean... Oh. It's gonna happen. Oh, jeez. She just couldn't today, she said. Oh, God, I hope I'm not weird. I mean, you're a little weird right now, but... Well, 
Imagine. Just imagine. I think I need a cooling off period. Yeah. I'm, well, like I said, we ain't going to see us. So, granted. Oh, it, yo. Granted. Yo. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. This is the first time you've been here since you've been back? Yeah. Oh, it feel good? It feels really good. Welcome home. Oh, thanks. Oh, boy. Well, and she pulls out her program and opens it up and I see what's coming up. And she's just sort of looking through it on her own. Well, I've never seen that professor guy, so so I think I want to go make some bets on some other new folks I don't know. So do you want to go make some bets? Yeah, sure. I'll come with you. That guy was a huge nerd. He was a huge <laughs> nerd. You see his soul. Oh, my God. Crazy. He was how ripped. He, how he do that? I have no idea. Oh, man. Let's go make some bets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. And if I win, maybe we can get some drinks tonight. Yeah, I mean, we I can ain't going to complain. Anyway. <laughs> sure, that sounds good. All right, well, yeah, we can, you can go make some bets if you want. Cool. What Athena is doing is looking for Harlan Troya at the betting ring. I think the betting areas are in the in the main exterior ring, like where all the vendors and merchandising and stuff is, but there are probably just a couple of specific sections along the ring where you can go to place bets and stuff like that. Cool. Which is the one nearest to the area where the weird people were moving around? Oh, I mean, there is one that's closer to there, so... I would like to go to that one. Yeah, you start walking that way, and uh, maybe you pass, like, one or two other ones on your way there, and Tuka's kind of like, well, I mean, we did, we just passed one. You Oh, yeah, but there's, like, this food place down there. I don't know if it's still there, but I wanted to check. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. She doesn't like lying to her new friend. She follow, but, but she's going to get food regardless. Tuka has no reason to question your your integrity at this point. Yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you a liar? You lied to me? Oh, no. no it's um, worse when I hear it in her voice. So the, the bedding area, it's not sequestered from anything else. It's literally just a counter, and there are a couple of monitors that have odds. It's pretty... It's pretty um, there are plenty of places you can go to make the bets with a lot of tellers, cool. um, but there are large monitors and boards that show you the current odds, um, different aspirant names. There are times and dates, you know, all sorts of right. stuff detailing that. So, Athena wants to look around, see if she eyeballs anybody that looks like that one vague picture she saw. <laughs> yeah, of Harlan Troya. So you're specifically looking for Troya. Yes. Okay. Troya, or even maybe listening around for like a name drop or something. Sure. Uh, go ahead and make me a notice, and I would like you to add plus two for your streetwise edge. Oh, thank you. That's a four with the plus two you given me. Are you just standing around, list looking and listening? Yeah, I think she's it? she's looking a little bit. She's mostly looking at the boards, mm -hmm. looking at, like, the numbers and stuff, but she's listening, like, sure. sharp. I like that. Okay. So, you're watching as uh, lines of people, you know, go up and place bets, and Tuka's standing there next to you, and she she's looking at the boards, too. She she lets you stand there in silence for a while, and she'll occasionally point something out and be like, oh, that one ain't bad. You know, it was pretty good odds, or... Something that effect, but but she's just having a good time, like hanging out with you. So yeah. she's not pushy with ideas or anything. And while you're standing, you don't hear anything. Um, you don't see Troya. 
And Troy, as far as you know, is a large uh, Velman. I don't even know if he's here. So you don't see anybody specifically matching his description or the, the picture that you had. It's reasonable to think that you know what he looks like. So he's a, a huge, burly Vel with shaved head and emotionless eyes, mm. I think is all I gave you. I think you gave me a sour face, a maybe. Sou- a sour face sounds about right. <laughs> I have incorporated brow studs into his design. That's cool. I like that. So you don't hear any names and you don't see the person. But as you're watching, you know, people go up and make bets and there, there's a pretty large crowd standing near you and kind of with you looking at the boards mm-hmm. everybody just sort of surveying the bets and as you stand here just watching for a couple of minutes you notice that a lot of people are just sort of splitting off and not placing bets themselves which is normal yeah but the number of people that are making bets are not quite what you would expect i think you eventually catch a snippet of conversation from somebody standing kind of near you and they just say hey look at these bets this isn't uh this isn't very good odds and then another voice says well, yeah, I mean, you gotta... This isn't where the good action is. Oh. You, know, you gotta... Here, c- come on with me. I'll show you where the good stuff is. Oh, shit. There's some good action. Oh, uh-huh. she's gotta follow him. You're gonna follow him? Yes. Okay. And uh, what is your plan? She so the two people standing really near you... One. <laughs> um, one of them is a shorter Karnik with a, a long, narrow face... And a couple of teeth poking out over the rim of the lip. And uh, the other one is a, an Ori man with deep green hair and eyes. Who is the one that told them? I think the Karnik is the one who's like, I'll show you where the action is. Can I lean lean over to the Karnik and uh, attempt to persuade him maybe also a streetwise? Sure. Like, yeah. well, what do you say? I, I too would be interested in some... Some higher stakes, uh, risk and reward. Well, go ahead and make yeah. your make your roll. So that's gonna be persuade. You can, I'll let you add your streetwise to that. Yeah. Five. Five. Okay. Yeah. The Karnik narrows his eyes at you and then sort of glances around and says, "Well, uh, I don't know about a risk and reward, but there there might be something you enjoy if you happen to walk in the same direction as me." Okay. Maybe. Maybe we will. He doesn't give you a wink, but he gives you one of those knowing... I think Athena winks. And then uh, he sort of rolls his eyes and starts walking. (laughs) So he's walking north uh, in the exterior of the ring. uh, And you're just going to start following him? I think I elbow Tuca lightly. It's like, I think we should follow that uh, enterprising fella. Oh, yeah? I I think it... I don't know. I'm feeling a little risky tonight. Risky. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'll follow you. That's fine. I'm just, uh, if, there, if there's a secret in the shard that I don't know about, I definitely want to learn that secret. Oh, this place changes all the time. That's... I'm sure you know very little about what goes on it's all the time. Especially these days. Yeah, that's true. She looks a little chagrined, and you're just following that. Those yeah. you guys. Maybe could I could I roll a stealth to be like chill about it? Nine. Okay, yeah. Just to see how nonchalant I you look from the exterior. Sure. You follow behind these other two gentlemen, maybe at a short distance, give them a little bit of a berth, and they turn into the stands along the northeast portion of the wall. Oh. That section that you saw earlier. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And you walk up there, and um, 
you emerge into the section and it's not as densely packed, not nearly as uh, the other sections, but it is clearly separate and distinct. A large number of the people sitting in this section have some sort of extra clothing on, to whether okay. it's like around their shoulders to like shroud themselves or like over their head or like it's sort of nondescript, right. you know? Like it's not fully masking, but it's kind of weird that this many people would do that. So Athena puts up her hoodie hood mm -hmm. that she's been wearing. <laughs> do that, okay? And Cause she she gets the vibe. Uh, yeah, you do that, and then uh, Tuka sees you and sort of looks around, and um, I think Athena just shrugs at her. <laughs> so Tuka gathers her hair tendrils together, sort of in like a ponytail, mm. and then like tucks them into her shirt, maybe <laughs> to just like it looks a little like what, what what else do I do? But just shrugs, and you guys uh, follow these other two gentlemen, and they they make their way to the edge of the crowd. They stop. Maybe the guy turns to the the Karnak turns to the Ori man mm -hmm. and speaks loud enough that you know you could hear him as well and says, "Well." I know it ain't quite the, the hot action you're used to here, but uh, there's a couple of fine, upstanding gentlemen uh, that you can locate in this section who allow purchase of a specific commodity uh, that has tangible value to another interested party somewhere in the city. So it requires a little bit of legwork, but I think you'll be happy with the results. Hmm. Mighty suspicious. Sounds a little criminal. But Athena's gonna go all in. <laughs> okay. I think she bites her tongue a little bit, just the tip of it, thinking, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what to do. She just wants to lean against the, like, the wall and observe whatever's going on, like, on the floor while listening more. I think that's what wall are you leaning against? The one that they've, like, migrated back towards. Oh, like the wall of the cavern. Yeah. Okay, well, it's still, like, in the stands, so I don't think you're actually, oh, like, against oh, the wall. I thought it was tucked up against the wall. Maybe it is. But why not? It's up against the wall. Why not? Sure. More structural stability. Okay, so you're, so you're just going to chill here and watch and wait and see if you can kind of suss out what's happening? Yeah. Okay. Then go ahead uh, and make me another notice with your streetwise bonus here. Seven. Seven, very good. Okay. So this, uh, you sit here for probably another 10 to 20 minutes just watching. And by the end, I think you've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. What's going on? I'm just going to give you a couple of like facts, mm -hmm. like a couple of things that you see while you're here. You notice that there are a couple of guys sort of interspersed in the crowd that don't move at all that a bunch of other people seem to gravitate towards. So there's okay. like movement within the crowd and people people in the Coliseum get up and move, move around, around all the time. So it's not uncommon for people yeah. to move, but there are a couple that people are regularly moving towards and things are being passed around. There's activity that is focused on a couple of individuals in this crowd. Maybe at a certain point you can get closer and you can catch snippets of conversation, but you notice that after people go up and talk to this guy, they come away with slips of paper. Some of them stay in the section, but a lot of them just leave. Hmm. So a lot of people just leave in the section or some people just walking back. Across. You, there aren't many people who walk from the section directly back to the rest. Mm -hmm. It seems like everybody filters out of this back into like the tunnel area to go back and rejoin the rest. Gotcha. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So there's a couple of nexus points of activity and then people leaving with slips of paper. Hmm. I'll give you this one too. 
above the section at the top of the ring, mm-hmm. uh, there there is one main box, and there appears to be some amount of activity around it. There are a number of individuals just standing on the top lip of the section, mm-hmm. just standing, not doing anything, just watching, uh, keeping an eye on everything else there. From the looks of them, they don't appear to be armed. They're just they're they're well, nicely. You don't have to be armed, do yeah. you? No, they're nicely dressed. Uh, they're in suits and business wear, uh, mostly dark tones, blacks, grays, charcoals, things like that. And the, there is very little movement to and from that area. And that's what I'll give you for just a regular success. I think Athena's gonna sidle towards one of the people with the paper slips. Okay. And ask them. So, what are the odds we're dealing with here? So, the the gentleman that you're talking to, as you sidle up, uh, there are other people who come up and are sort of speaking to them in muffled voices, and then they exchange. Uh, at the from this far away, you can see that the people coming up to him are handing him cubes, mm-hmm. so currency, and he's handing them slips of paper. And you you say odds, and he he looks back at you, and this man is um his face is a little obscured. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a little bit of a cloth over it, and uh, his eyes narrow at you. And he's a human, mm-hmm. presumably darker hair, ruddy skin. And he says, "We don't deal with odds, man. You're bad at this." Yeah, sorry, I'm new. What do you What do you want? What are you doing here? I just heard it was an exciting place to be, and I could use some excitement. Ooh, it's very exciting. All right. And he he pulls out a little sheet and hands it to you, and it's um, it's clearly like a list of betting odds. But it's organized in such a way that it's like, it doesn't call them odds. It shows exchange rates. I think he hands this sheet to you and the guy says, I got a friend that I can introduce you to across city. Uh, what I do is I uh, I sell you these these fun little sheets. My friend's a collector, right? So you, you buy one of these little sheets from me right here. Nominal fee, couple of cubes. And then you take it to my friend across town and maybe he exchanges it for something different something a little more valuable if you if you bring him the right paper you know if the numbers on this paper end up being something that he likes you get it so yeah. so in, in looking at this page <laughs> what you're seeing is these are clearly betting odds mm-hmm. uh, with exchange rates of like what you what you're paying in cubes and mm-hmm. what you could get back it doesn't call it currency it's like right. tokens or from your regulator brain, you're like, all right, this is clearly betting. This yeah. is clearly illegal betting, <laughs> but it's framed in such a way that it would just be, if you tried to pin it on somebody... Legally nebulous. Yeah. And ultimately, like, you could get it thrown out, but it would take time and effort to, like, contest it. So yeah. it's like, it's What's that weird... What's the point? Kind of. That's, that seems to be what they're going for. Well, maybe I can get one of those little cards from you. For a nominal fee. I think she slips some cubes into his hand. And takes a card. So, who, um, where might I be taking this to if I end up guessing well? Well, like I said, I got a, I got a friend across town. Address is on the paper. Cool. Yeah, he's, uh, just, he's a little skittish. So you just, you go there and you, you show him your paper. It'll be all fine. And if you look at it, it's an address, um, it's an address in East City. Mm-hmm. It's probably... I want to say it is the park just to the west of the Shard in the middle of this residential area. I think she waggles the paper, like, 
hits it on her chin while she's sinking a little bit. And how long do I have to redeem my paper? A week. A week? Okay. That's not bad. Alright, well, thank you, kind sir, mm. for nothing, and I'll never see you again. Goodbye. It's my favorite kind of customer. Friend. She Friend. Friend. You do notice, looking at this betting sheet, these odds are far more favorable and generous to the person in making the investment than the ones that you saw outside. Well, now she's got an address mm -hmm. that she doesn't know how it's going to affect anything, but mm -hmm. I think she goes back to Tuca and is like, let's... I don't think we got anything to be doing here. Oh, yeah, all right. It's not quite what I was hoping, she says as they're leaving. Okay. Are you just heading out the main way, or...? Yeah, but maybe she wants to duck into a bathroom real sure. quick. yeah. Because those people upstairs in the suits were kind of suspicious. You didn't really see those anywhere else. No. Um... I think she tucks away the card. I think Tuka says, Dina, what are we doing over here? Do you, we just... This is some illegal gambling, looks like? I don't know. That is what it looks like. I mean... We ain't here on work, but we should. There's probably something we're looking into. Well, they didn't do a good job covering this. It's it's kind of task force related adjacent things. Oh. All right. I figured it, since I was already here, I might as well just. I don't want him to come back tomorrow, you know. No, I can't. I mean, just tell me that. That's fine. Sure, whatever. I kind of. I gotta go look into something real quick. All Can right. I meet you back at our seats? Yeah, that's fine. Do you, I mean, you gonna be alright? <laughs> Probably. Alright, I mean, <laughs> alright. Yeah, that's fine. If I'm not back in like an hour, I guess leave without me, maybe? I mean, if you're not back in an hour, you're gonna be in trouble. Maybe, I don't know. I, I really, I honestly don't know what's gonna happen. Alright, well, you sure you want to go by yourself now? No, I mean, but I, I don't mean, want you implicated in anything. She rolls her eyes and says, alright, I mean, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, Dina. I don't mean to be bossing you around or anything. I mean, it sounds like you're gonna be my boss if I'm on task force. <laughs> I don't want That's to fine. be a boss, I just want to be a, a, a friend and a teammate. <laughs> alright, well, go do your thing. I'll go back okay. to the seats, you go do your thing. Alright, I'm gonna be real sneaky and I'll be back soon, I hope. Real sneaky, alright. Oh, you're real sneaky. And at this point, she'd like to go into a bathroom and turn invisible. Go ahead and roll for it. You can slip into the bathroom. And there is traffic, but I just have this image of like Athena going into a stall and turning invisible, and then the stall just like drifts open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nine. Nine is a success with a raise. Alright, I don't so know what that does for invisibility, but. She's gonna need to hustle. She doesn't have that many points. Yeah, so uh, invisibility, I believe, is five power points. It is. It's five power points. I, I mean, you've been sitting and resting for at least an hour, so you're. I think you're at full power points right now. Okay, so she has ten minutes to go upstairs and see what she needs to see if it's one power point a minute to extend it. Yeah. So let's fucking do it. All right. <laughs> let's go. All righty. All right, so what does it look like when you activate? She just... Puffs her little metal shavings around her real fast. I it just cramped into this little little bathroom stall. Just <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sorry. All right, uh, you are invisible. Okay, she's going upstairs. What? Okay. She's she's gonna hustle. 
Just I think be it quiet. probably takes you about a minute to get upstairs. You are invisible. You succeeded with a raise, which I think makes you pretty difficult to detect. Mm -hmm. Minus six. Minus six. There are people, so there will be points when it's like a little bit harder to like move through them or you right. know bump into people. But I think you can do it. I'm not going to okay. make you like roll to navigate crowds, but I think the trade-off there is you know time. How long mm -hmm. does it take you to do that? You are invisible. You make your way to the upper ring that sits along the top of the arena. And this ring is mostly enclosed. It's like the lower ring, sort of like a train tunnel in terms of the archway. And it goes around the top, and this is where all the boxes, like the private boxes, are located. And they're interspersed a bit. And the one that you're looking at is in the very far northeast corner of the mm -hmm. stadium. So it's as far as you can go. And when you make your way up to the top ring, you notice there are a number of guards around. So two of them are standing at the entrance that leads down into the stands, seemingly to dissuade people from taking this exit, and you notice that no one is trying. Everyone's going through the lower right. exits. And in the upper tunnel, there are two more guards that are posted just a little bit further in the tunnel to dissuade people from coming that way as well. So it's basically like a locked down portion that is higher vertically than the rest of the stadium. It's, it's it's a little section they've sort of walled off to make as private as possible and are gotcha. keeping people. So the guards are also dressed in nice dark suits and uh, one or two of them have like a little earpiece thing in and they're just waving people off if they come too close. Athena wants to run up there and check out some shit because it seems like they're overseeing this shady betting area. That's what she has inferred okay, with sure. her regulator brain. Sure. So she wants to go do some investigating. I think she's running and there's another Shazad bout going down the stage. And mm -hmm. There's a lot of mist and lasers and ozone smell. It's fucking awesome. But she can't watch right now. <laughs> <laughs> Business. Business first. Okay. I think she wants to go into the tunnel where the, the box doors are. Okay, yeah. And just do some snooping. Okay, so... Some looking, some listening, if she could. Sure. So you're invisible right now. You're mostly invisible. I think there is like an outline. So they do have the chance to detect you. At a minus six. At a minus six, yes. So I would like you to make me a stealth. What do you think? Should it... I mean, are you being stealthy or are you just like oh, running? Yeah. Okay, then yeah. She ran unstealthily mm -hmm. from the bathroom, but she's trying to be sneaky because cool. this is a pretty new power, all things considered. Eight. Okay, well, they got a one and a three. I just, I rolled two to see if they would crit fail. Excellent. Uh, and minus six. So, yes, you, you, Whew. they have no idea that you're there nice. at all. To get up there from the bedding downstairs, if you're, if you're like running, she's booking it. Maybe like two minutes okay. to like get up there. So, it costs five points up front and then one point per minute. You extend the duration. Yep. Six is what you've used so far. So yeah, you're uh, you're brushing past these guys, and you, without needing to spend additional effort to notice, you catch snippets of conversation. The two that are standing there in the tunnel. There's nobody else around right now, aside from the guards. And one of the guards turns to the other and says, uh, "Hey, how's the boss feeling today, anyway?" And the other one says, "Well, I uh, I wouldn't disturb him. He's uh, he's dealing with a client right now. He doesn't seem too happy." The other one gives a little shiver and says, "Ah." Guy gives me the creep sometime. Yeah, I know what you mean. And then they sort of return to not talking and just looking around. And as you go past them and up to the like the box area, I would like you to make me a notice. A notice, you say. A notice, I say. Uh, five. Five is a success. Okay. 
So from where it is right now, uh, you're you're now standing in front of the doors to the box, and mm-hmm. the, the structure itself is solid stone and metal. Uh, the guards are probably like fifteen to twenty feet behind you, and the uh, the tunnel curves past the box and goes deeper into the wall of the cavern. Uh, so you can't really see what's back there right now, but you do hear some uh, muffled voices coming from that direction. Oh, well, she wants to go do a listen. Okay. Athena creeps slowly closer, quietly. Uh, I would like you to make me another stealth another roll, stealth. please. Yep. Seven. Oh, man. Well, they rolled a nine. Minus six. Minus six. Oof. So that's still <laughs> oh, a success. So you still got a success with a raise on that one. <laughs> Very good. And uh, you inch closer and closer. And as you're walking down this tunnel, it looks like it goes on for a long time. It's almost like you're just looking into blackness. And the the structure of the arena starts to fade away just into, like, normal stone. And then you realize it curves very sharply into a corner. And it's just hard to tell looking into the darkness. So if you had a light, you'd be able to tell or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But it's not well lit here. Right. And as you're edging closer from around the corner, you can just hear this muffled... <laughs> and then you sort of hear a... <laughs> then it, it finally turns into words. This is the last time you disappoint me. And you can peek around the corner... And there are two more guards, similar to the ones from before, who are leaning against opposite ends of this wall, these cave walls. And there is a huge form in an expensive charcoal business suit, a large Velman with a scarlet tie that's like a brighter toned red. And red accents and threads make the suit pop when he moves in this mostly dark area. And uh, he is holding a much smaller looking um, Karnak. This Karnak has mottled yellow-brown scales and is shorter. They appear turtle-like, so maybe an Ignean, maybe an Axian. Their scales are wrinkly, and they tremble in front of this giant man. And he reaches out and closes a hand around uh, the Karnak's very thin neck and sort of pulls it upward, so it's... This guy's choking out a turtle? It's kind of hanging like a pendulum, like a bell. That's heavy shell is hanging there and it starts to sputter and can't breathe. And he's holding this Karnak sort of by the scruff of his neck. And he pulls him in close. Where's the shipment? And the Karnak sort of stutters back and goes, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. The Velman brings him in a little bit closer and he says, that's the wrong answer. And the Karnak man sort of, <laughs> you get me the money. You get me the shipment. You get to keep your life. But you fuck this up one more time, and that's it. And as you watch, he picks the Karnak up with one arm, and he's just holding him bodily above the ground. And you watch as these tendrils of black energy reach out from his hand and wrap around the Karnak's neck and squeeze. And you begin to see sort of this pulsing energy flow from the Karnak into the Velman. You run away, I'll find you. You tell anyone, I'll kill you. I'll kill everyone you've ever known. I'll put your family in the fucking ground. And then the the tendril seems to close a little bit harder and the last bit of air escapes from the Karnak. Don't cross Harlan Troya. You've been warned. The Karnak stops fighting back and hangs there limply. And then uh, the Velman is still holding him by the neck and sort of turns him and gives him a look. Pathetic. And drops him into a heap. And you can see the Karnak is is still alive and still twitching and breathing, but just sort of making these pained little noises. And the Velman 
turns around, cracks his neck, cracks his knuckles, and as he's adjusting the sleeves of his business suit, you see that writhing black energy fade back into his hand as he balls a fist. He gives his two henchmen a wicked grin and says, Ah, business is good, boys. As he says that, they begin walking towards you, mm-hmm. past you, and you see that there is this red glint in his oh, eye. Oh, shit. Well, I, would I be able to cast empathy? Sure. Would that make me visible? Um. Doesn't. I don't s- think it would. Yeah, it doesn't say. Yeah. Uh, what am I at PowerPoint wise? At this point, you're probably. You have enough to cast it. You're, you've probably spent a total of eight or nine. It's been like less than five minutes. 18 empathy. 18. That's a. She's so determined. Big success. You watch this man as he's walking by you, and there is just. His aura bursts out. It is rippling, thriving with this energy. These different shades of red, most of them bright and pulsating. Some green satisfaction, but mostly it's just power and anger and satisfaction and confidence. And looking at this aura, there is a large black streak running happily through it in all directions. Almost like, it's like an an atomic symbol, but this black streak is just dancing through it. Well... That's mighty troubling. As you do this, they're walking away towards the box, and uh, they take several steps away as you're watching, and he slows and pauses and turns... she turns it off. Turns it, yeah, so you turn it off, and he turns and looks over his shoulder, confused but interested. And he turns to look back in your... Not at you, but in your in, general direction. She freezes. And he, he does that turn and look around, and then he starts to actually turn around. You know, he turns his body step at a time, and is looking back at the tunnel, and then waits, and waits, and takes a couple of steps closer. Man, I'm gonna give him one more chance to see you. Got a nine last time. Uh, Not good enough. I'm gonna Benny this. Uh, Not good enough. I'm gonna Benny this. Oh, that's six. Oh, that's a five. Eleven. Eleven minus six. Six is a five. Oh, God. So, I, well, I need you to roll against that, because you're <sighs> stealthing. What did he get? He got a five. I got a seven. Success. Okay, so yeah, he. there's a long moment where he is probably standing less than five feet from you, and he is, his eyes just narrow, and uh, so from here, um, he is a towering figure over you. Maybe not towering, but he's he's taller than you. He's probably bolt-sized. Okay. So he's bigger than you. His eyes narrow. They're a dull gray, but alive with intelligence. He's got studs over his eyebrows and uh, just a very worn and sour face. And he glares in your direction and his eyes sweep around. And then he walks back down the tunnel to where that Karnak is and says, Do you move yet? And there's another whimper, and then you hear a thud, and uh, a sharper whimper, and then he walks back, just going, <laughs> and makes his way back to the box. She has not drawn a single breath, mm-hmm. and maybe she's a little lightheaded. Can she remember this guy's face, this Karnak guy? Sure. Okay, she remembers it. <laughs> okay. Can Athena look, can Athena cast empathy on the Karnak to see if he just infected that guy? Sure. 
I'd like to spend a Benny for more points. Okay. Because I do need to do that. Sure. There we go. Ten. Ten's a success with the raise. You make your way back down the tunnel a little bit, and you're looking at this beaten Karnak lying in a heap. Um, their aura is very slow. It's very sluggish. They are breathing, not moving very much. You don't really see any physical injuries, but their aura is mostly pain. There's some worry, worry and panic. So yellows and oranges, definitely some anger in there as well, but probably a lot of shame and just weariness and fear. A lot of fear. Oh boy. Oh, yep. So no black streaks. Doesn't look as if not that you can see. No. All right. Athena's beaten it back to her seat as quick as possible. Okay. Or I guess back to the bathroom. She wants to return to her seat after she becomes visible again in the turlet. <laughs> in, in the turlet. In the turlet. All right, yeah, you can make it back uh, just as you're running out of power points. Whew. Well, I guess you just got more, so you're fine. Okay. I think she plops down next to Tuka with a a decidedly spent little... <sighs> oh, yeah, you all right? Everything, everything go okay? Yes, I think so. Do you want to go on a little adventure with me? Is that a trick question? I think Tuka's expression moves from worried to mischievous, and her mouth breaks into a wide smile, and she says, What you got in mind? Thank you for listening to this episode of Neon Heat. Savage Worlds is owned by the Pinnacle Entertainment Group, and you can find them and their products online at peginc.com. You can find our website at rpg4youandme.com, where we update weekly with new episodes, character art, and bios. Neon Heat features the music of the very talented Crockett, who you can find at crockett.bandcamp.com and on Twitter at Crockett80s. We're on Twitter at rpg4youandme, and Allie is at ucthehat, where she posts art from the show. Allie also runs a side campaign for me that's available to our Patreon members, and you can find us there at patreon.com slash RPG for you and me. Any support means the world to us, and it makes it easier to make a quality episode every week for you. If you like the show, the best way to support us is to leave a five-star rating and review, but even more importantly, tell a friend about us. If you're looking for more Savage Worlds content, please check out Sounds Like Crows. It's an actual play Deadlands Reloaded podcast about five brothers on a quest for revenge in the supernatural Wild West. The cast is outstanding, and the audio and editing quality is cinematic and top-notch. The game marshal, Caleb Sunstead, is extremely talented and dedicated. They just started their fourth season, so there's plenty to catch up on. With all that out of the way, thank you again for listening. We know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so it means the world that you spent a little bit of your day with us. See you next week.